number 183 of the Sane Asylum. I'm your host, Giuseppe Vafangulo. Those above top secret clearance know me as the G-Man. What an honor it is. No co-host tonight. Uh, John Friend is unfortunately uh, busy with the real world, and uh, we can certainly understand that. But what a great guest we have tonight. Um, it's a remarkable woman. Her name is Marie Lassiter. She's got an exemplary career as a nurse, a, a, a really a successful career as a teacher and, and, a, and a practitioner. And then for some remarkable reason, she became a coroner. So welcome, Marie. And how did that happen? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, hi, Giuseppe and uh, everyone else out there. Uh, well, I first became... Um, Got, became interested in being a coroner uh, when a colleague of mine at the Medical University of South Carolina, a nurse, uh, ran for coroner and got the position. And I've always uh, been a nurse that worked in um, critical care. I always like to get down to the cellular level of things. So that idea was kind of in my head. And then in 2002, my mother died in another state, and actually, she died in Nashville, and the female coroner there, uh, Mary uh, Galbraith, was really wonderful to me, and there were a lot of issues to work through, and she helped me for three months, really, after my mother's death, and I decided I wanted to be able, be able to help people in that way at 
one of the hardest times in their life and there's a lot to negotiate and they're in shock. So I um, moved around quite a bit, but I moved to Missouri in 2003 and um, I ran for coroner and I was the weirdo from California. <laughs> so I didn't expect to do well, um, but I, I beat the uh, 20 year incumbent um, you know, my first go around and I've been reelected since. And uh, so that's how I got here. And it's, you know, and people that pass away, I still think of them as my patients and I still think of their uh, families as my patient's family. And I do everything I can to help them through this difficult journey. Wow. That's remarkable. And uh, truly uh, noble and so so what what was it like uh, making the switch from uh, uh, you know a noteworthy nursing career to uh, as you've described it you're now a doctor of the dead was that a huge transition for you or what was it like I uh, well it was um, it was a learning curve before I ran I prepared myself by uh, going to week-long uh, death investigation, coroner seminars, um, read all I could. I, you know, I, I knew what I needed to do. It was just the practical application uh, because the person I beat was not happy uh, virtually. <laughs> virtually, I, I had nothing to start with. Can I have the stretcher? Oh, it's broken. Can I have the computer, the records? Oh, it's broken. It, that's That's kind of the response I got. And um, but, um, I figured it out. Um, I've, I've learned a lot and it's really weird popping up on my screen. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It was, it wasn't that hard a transition really, because I still had the primary goal of just, uh, taking care of people and, you know, treating them in the most dignified manner possible and, always being a skeptic to always um, looking at what's what's really happening here. Uh, pretty much as coroner, you, you start out with every every death as a homicide and you work backwards from there. Wow, yeah, exactly right. So some of your recent investigations really have done a remarkable expose on what I come to call the scamdemic. And the so-called uh, uh, COVID-19, where everyone takes this this questionable questionable test, and, and and that's the diagnosis. When actually, you know what? Before you even answer, I have a uh, Sam. If you could play uh, clip number 14, this is uh, the inventor of the PCS test, PCR test rather. Uh, Dr. Kerry Mullis, PhD, is is always said it was never intended for diagnosis. It was only intended as a research tool. So here's the great Mullis himself explaining that. Um, yeah, that, and I actually met him once. You know, he was a major surfer guy <laughs> in San Diego. But um, I uh, also it was like for use in like manufacturing products to see if there's a, a certain amount of an element in a manufactured product, but definitely not for, for human use. And from the beginning, um, I've had quite a battle, um, 
but I got I got used to battles when I'm an anti-fluoridationist. So when I got here and the water was fluoridated, uh, I tackled that one, and it took me five years to get fluoride out of the water. So I was yeah, I was pretty used to fighting these kind of battles. Mm-hmm. So when they pop up, and I think it was oh March sixteenth, uh, I kept a journal, and I'm writing a book right now called uh, What the Coroner Saw. And I have my notes from the beginning, and then I have, oh gosh, I three or four hundred um, case investigations. The book's already written. I just basically have to copy and paste and probably change some names so I don't get sued. But it, you know, from the very get-go, I knew I knew it was a sham. And then when they start doing these fake uh, COVID nasal swab tests. And I was furious with the newspaper, the health department. They'd say, well, we have 30 new cases of COVID. And I'm like, how are those diagnosed? Well, they had a positive PCR. And this is what I've always said. Never in the history of the world have we ever diagnosed a disease based on one single test. Now, possibly if you have syphilis, you can, you know, see spirochetes under the microscope mm-hmm. but even before you get to that point you're going to have do like an rpr or some sort of blood test but with covid it was just the nasal swab and yeah you've got it and of course getting a diagnosis of covid is number one it hurts the person uh it, it makes people not want to be around them it affects their medical care And I've got so many examples of them getting the wrong care because they were, um, you know, given the diagnosis of COVID. And I can tell you, um, probably the first year, you know, I, I am a scientist. I'm trained as a scientist. I know I have bias and I try to manage my bias. So I had a little algorithm I did if I was going to put a, a death on the death certificate as uh, COVID-related. And I think maybe in the whole time, there might have been seven cases. And I even, I don't know if you've heard of the Atlantic Journal. It used of course, to be the Atlantic yeah, yeah. Journal. Now it's, now it's just Democrat left-wing crap, really. They called me three times. Of course, when they're calling me for an interview, I'm on my computer and I'm looking up other things they've written. And they wanted me to comment on why um, all the overages of the deaths. And, of course, deaths went up uh, at least 33% in the first year. And they're probably going up more now. I haven't calculated all my statistics. Well, how come all your overages aren't explained by COVID? And, you know... I said, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, I'll talk about this. And they didn't want to do it my way. And I said, mm-hmm. yeah. And I also want a recording of the interview before you, before you, you know, put it in your, in your um, journal. But yeah, the, the Atlantic was really after me. I even got calls from the daily beast of all people. <laughs> uh, the daily beast. Washington yeah. post. Um, yeah. They, they were stunned, I guess. Um, uh, we had the lowest probably rate of uh, COVID deaths anywhere in the world. <laughs> but I, 
uh, they wanted me to explain it. Um, but one thing I always have done is every year I do a very detailed annual report and I put what everybody died of, everybody died of, if it was accidental, what kind of accident it was, if it was drug related, what drug they overdosed on. And so when they want to know all this stuff, I just say, go to the Texas County webpage, click on the corner tab, and there's all the numbers you want. But I I was out being attacked. I got letters from uh, Department of Vital Statistics uh, sending me affidavits saying, obviously, you meant to put COVID on this death certificate rather than, say, bacterial pneumonia. And here's the affidavit, and you just have to sign it. And I, I didn't do that. Department of Epidemiology called me, wanted me to explain why I categorized some deaths as I, as I did. And I can tell you, I'm not a doctor, but throughout my nursing career, I've always been one heck of a diagnostician. When you, you know, take care of patients, you know, 12 hours, you, you really learn symptoms and what's going on with them. Uh, one of the one of the ones that got the attention of the uh, Department of Epidemiology here in Missouri was a gentleman that had uh, been bitten by a tick and he had really bad case of ehrlichiosis and periodically he would have a a relapse and he'd need to take a certain antibiotic and his wife kept meticulous records of his health. Well. He he had a exacerbation of his ehrlichiosis, tick-borne disease in the middle of COVID. He goes to his regular doctor, and she refused to give him antibiotics. Swabbed his nose. Of course, it was positive for COVID. Well, he died shortly thereafter. And that was another thing that happened. Did you know, not only did they not test for the flu for two years. Right. They also didn't give antibiotics to people that were routinely on antibiotics. And, I mean, there's lots of people that you know, maybe they have lung disease. Periodically, they need antibiotics to get over it. Of course, um, yeah. So, but, no, the antibiotics, they stopped. And then, also, with the financial incentives, you know, like 30 bucks to swab your nose, and then if you get put on the COVID unit it's so many more it was it's definitely upwards of thirty thousand dollars per if you could you know work the scheme and so i mean there's a huge financial incentive for hospitals and also for the health department i'm as i'm going writing this book and going through the early days they desperately wanted a covid case and we had, um, so I get a call. We hadn't had one, hadn't had one, because um, what I did first, when I first heard about it, I went, I searched the internet, and I found a company called Ray Biotech, and they made whole blood um, COVID IgG, IgM uh, blood test kits. And they were they were expensive, but I bought enough to last me till the election. Because I figured <laughs> once Trump gets reelected, we won't have to deal with this anymore. <laughs> right. I was wrong on that, so I did run out of tests. Um, and 
And then when I tried to reorder them, they said they were no longer available in the United States. You could get them anywhere else, but not the United States. That's how accurate they were. So I get a call from the hospital. They're super excited. Oh, we have a COVID death in the ER. I was like, what makes you think it's COVID? Well, Dr. Brown, who I don't even know if he's a doctor anymore. I know he got out of rehab recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, (laughs) he and I never saw eye to eye. He thought he was the the czar of COVID. And he predicted we would have 750 COVID deaths in 2020. And and, uh, maybe there were two. And now I know they weren't even COVID. But um, so this man comes into the ER. He had pulmonary fibrosis. Um, The year prior, he'd had a bad flare-up and he needed to be put on a ventilator. So Mm -hmm. he comes in. I'm having having trouble breathing. And if you need to, put me on a ventilator. Well, they decided he had COVID. They didn't even do a test. They just... Everybody was freaking out. They've got like three pairs of gowns and gloves and masks. Well, they shove them in the isolation room in the ER let him lay there for two and a half hours till he dies. Then they call me, tell me he died of COVID. Of course, I go trotting in, and I'm usually wearing shorts, my hair in a ponytail, and Mm -hmm. chewing gum. They're like, oh, you got to put on all this garb. I thought, I'm not doing it. And I went in, and I tested him, and he was, of course, negative for COVID. And the saddest part was his family was all out in the uh, parking lot, they would not even let them into the waiting room. They called the police on the family who desperately wanted to see him. Oh, geez. And if they were going to let him lay there in two and a half hours and die, which he easily could have been resuscitated, you know, put on a ventilator and saved. You know, he, he had nobody. He was just shoved in a room. I mean, it makes me cry to think about it. I'm. That's why I'm writing this book. I'm so mad at these murderers. I'm calling them out. I'll probably get sued. I don't care. <laughs> Good for you. You know, it's really uh, my oh. first career in the 80s was as a professional journalist. And you're trained to dig and be an investigative journalist. And if you put the pieces together, what you're talking about that, the, the, you know, uh, I was going to play that clip uh, earlier, but we both know Carrie Mullis said it's not a diagnostic tool. You can find anything you want if you turn it up high enough because there's uh, something in everyone and he made a joke of, about it like it was a Buddhist thing. Uh, we're all connected. And and so you, you take that into account. he didn't account. live very long after that. No, did he? he didn't. No, no. He was. Uh, <laughs> he he conveniently died just before they rolled out this scandemic. So you're, yeah. you're ident- we've, we're in agreement that the test is worthless. You, because of your, your decades of medical training experience in nursing and then your migration into uh, being a coroner, you know what the real test was. So you cannot get the real test only in America, right? Because they're running this scandemic, this psyop. And then uh, the other uh, damning bit of evidence is in 2019, 2020, they listed 38 million people uh, who suffered from flu, uh, a pneumonia, or the corona common cold. You know, it's called the pick season, pneumonia, influenza. Uh, common cold or corona and there were 38 million in 2019 to 2020 and all of a sudden when this uh fake scandemic occurred and and in uh, you know i hope if you get sued i hope you win because you do have the truth on your side so they listed only 1822 cases during the flu season of 20 the pick season 2021 20, 20 
2021. And so it's just absurd to me, but you put the globalist media behind this, you put these traitorous governments behind this, you put the quacks at the CDC behind this. I mean, it's unbelievable. To me, it was all tied in, and this is the question, to this World Economic Forum, New World Order, Build Back Better, Great Reset nonsense that every... Uh, candidate of every first world country ran the same uh, Build Back Better logo in, in all the um, in all the uh, uh, elections of that year. And so, your thoughts on um, what this was obviously intended as a scamdemic, and if so, what was their goal? Their their well, their immediate goal was to create as many fake cases as they could, obviously shifting all the flu cases there. That's their, that was their immediate goal. And people would call me early on and they'd be, and I'm kind of like the community non-medical doctor too. Uh, but anyway, they say, well, I test positive for COVID. What should I do? I said, well, demand a flu test. And every Every situation, people were told there was no flu test. So I thought, well, I'll buy flu tests. And, um, and I, could, I couldn't get them any either. Even like buying them overseas. I've got an aunt in Canada having them reshipped. There was no way I could get a flu test. And I don't, think, I don't think anybody could. They just totally wiped them out. I have flu tests now in my corner bag. I test people for the flu. Uh, randomly, I will find a community-acquired flu that you know the health department doesn't know about. Um, well, end goal is obviously depopulation. Well, and first I thought depopulation, but now what I think, I look, you know, I live on a farm. You know, I think I was talking to you yesterday. We we're getting some right. pigs, and they're so stinking cute. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have I raise horses. I breed, you know, uh, breed horses. And I feel like rather than trying to get rid of everybody, I think they're culling. I think they're culling the herd. Because let's face it, if you're a globalist, there's still jobs that need to be done that can't be done by robots. You're going to want someone that's smart and robust and just, well, and of course, Henry Kissinger, the, the worthless eaters, Yes. And now they're putting, well, we can talk about Neogel a little bit, um, but they're putting Neogel and insulin. And so. Oh, I didn't know that. That's horrible. That's new. That is new. And I've got a couple articles on it. Just in the last couple of weeks, I was sent some uh, documents about that. And, uh, and I always say there's only two drugs on the whole planet you have to have insulin and then also um, epinephrine if you if you get anaphylaxis reactions. Uh, and of course, um, both of those were really cheap under Trump. And one of the first things uh, the resident, well, not the president, the resident did Absolutely. was yep. price caps. Yeah. And I do have a helpful tip if anybody, um, very helpful tip if anybody needs to have epipens handy. Each EpiPen has 0.3 cc's of epinephrine, and I don't know what they charge like 600, 800 for them. However, I've given I've given sub-Q epinephrine many times, and in the hospital we have a vial. It's uh, one cc of the 1,000 strength epinephrine. You draw 0.3 cc's, just like it's an EpiPen, 
Well, if you get your doctor to write you a script for a vial of that epinephrine and three TB syringes for under 20 bucks, you can have three EpiPens. Really? That's an excellent tip. That's fantastic. And that just shows the unbelievable uh, parasitic profit of Big Harma. The P is silent. Big Pharma is really Big Harma, and it's a parasitic predatory globalist uh, initiative this day. And what's so sad to me, uh, Marie, is, you know, 40 years or so when I was a young man, it seemed like the entities, government entities like the FDA uh, actually tried to champion the consumer. And now the FDA is is a traitorous entity. The CDC is unbelievably uh, genocidal and traitorous. I mean, they're, they're being used for, for political objectives, globalist political objectives, and I think you're absolutely right. This is a massive uh, culling a depopulation of the herd, and it's going to get so much worse, and especially, uh, I know what we spoke yesterday uh, as a pre-interview, and you're starting to see a lot of turbo cancers, and uh, I've actually uh, got a clip. Sam, if you could play clip number, um, let's find it here. Uh, uh, clip number 13, there's a couple of doctors who were on a show, Dr. Kelly Victory and Dr. William Mackis, and they're dis- discussing the shocking increase in turbo cancers in young, uh, 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 sadly uh, deceived individuals who took the jubonic jujab. So let's listen to clip number 13. Uh, let's start with, I had predicted, um, unfortunately, and I hate, that I am right. I predicted before the vaccines were ever launched to the public that they would have a profound impact on the immune system. And as a result of that alone, um, would likely cause increased cancer rates um, just because of their immunological impact. So let's start, if you would, just by talking a little bit about what you are seeing in the data, in the numbers um, with regard to cancers, what kinds of cancers, those sorts of things. And then maybe we'll get into the weeds, you and I, about the um, perhaps some of the, the uh, pathology of that, why that might be, some theories for why we're seeing these, uh, these numbers. You know, Dr. Kelly, uh, I've been tracking um, these turbo cancers, as they're being called, these very aggressive cancers that are showing up in young COVID vaccinated people. Uh, the youngest case I've reported is a 12-year-old boy who had a Moderna vaccine and came down with uh, end-stage brain cancer that killed him in less than a year. I'm seeing it in teenagers, in university and college students who are mandated to take COVID vaccines. People in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s are coming down with stage 4 cancers. Uh, these cancers are presenting at a late stage, stage 3, but usually stage 4. Uh, these are lymphomas, leukemias. These are breast cancers, colon cancers, lung cancers, hepatobiliary cancers, testicular cancers in young men, ovarian cancers in women, uh, kidney cancers, renal cell cancers, melanomas, skin cancers, uh, and sarcomas as well. So these are the types of cancers that are showing up in a younger cohort than oncologists expect. They're showing up at a late stage. Uh, The tumors can grow very large. Uh, So some of these tumors are described as football-sized, even watermelon-sized. You know, these are 10, 15-centimeter tumors, and they're very aggressive, and and they really, they spread very rapidly. So even when the surgeons are trying to get at them, 
trying to surgically excise them so that they could control the tumor, what they usually find after surgery is that the tumor has already spread. It's already spread to the lymph nodes. It's already spread to the lungs or the bones. Very aggressive cancers uh, and really uh, related to the COVID-19 vaccine specifically and, and mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. Well, one of the things, let me just step back for a okay, second, because one of the things there. that might not be um, the, uh, known to our audience. Uh, Marie, it's shocking to me that for 20 years, these uh, the big harma corrupt uh, parasites were trying to introduce mRNA into the human uh, treatment schedules. And, and they would test on animals that kill all the animals. They couldn't get past the human, the animal trial. So all of a sudden, this fake emergency, this fake scamdemic, this psyop, it, and all of a sudden, there, it's emergency use. And it really, uh, it's just offensive on scene. And, and what is being done to these young people is literally genocidal murder. Your thoughts? Oh, well, I was nodding my head when he was talking about the testicular cancers. Uh, there's only 25,000 people in my county. However, it's a, it's a huge county. It's bigger than Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. It's the largest geographic county in um, Missouri. Um, but within one year, two young men, 30 friends, and they put on their Facebook post, yeah, we're going to get the shot, not because mm -hmm. we've turned leftists, we're not going to vote for Biden, but we feel like this <laughs> is the only way to help get it over with. Uh -huh. And, of course, you know, with their... Um, they're little death folders. I've got their Facebook posts. Right. And both of them, within one month after their third vaccine, they took the three in the series, they were diagnosed with cancer. And the one that's the son of a, a very good friend of mine, he had two types of rare testicular cancers. They, he's 30 years old now. Keep this in mind. They removed both his testicles. And uh, all the aggressive treatment, like they were speaking about in your clip, and he ended up with uh, cancer of the brain. And they did procedure after procedure after procedure. And the last one, they told him it would probably make him brain dead. And, you know, his family just wanted him to keep going, and he hoped. And I just wanted to tell him, just let the guy, just let this poor guy die in peace, you know. And that was one of the most tragic. And then... Um, and then his friend also lived a little bit longer. Um, he probably maybe a little bit uh, stronger, and he also passed away. So with the death of two healthy, very popular, very productive young men in our society, and, like, no one's there say a word about what caused it. And I do want to say this, and I have to say it kind of um, carefully. I've been in touch with a doctor that's head of, uh, like uh, cancer in relation to DNA. And he had put out on Twitter that he needed some samples. And I'm like, well, I have samples. <laughs> and, uh, and then he backed off and he wrote to me and he said, you know, I went from being the most obscure scientist in the world and then... In 12 hours, all of a sudden, I was getting hammered from everybody, and it's scary. Wow. He's like, I want to continue my my work, but I've got to make sure my IRB is airtight. Air he said he's worried about me, and I said, don't worry about me. And I'd love nothing more than a lawsuit, because with a lawsuit, 
you get depositions from the bad guys. So there you go. <laughs> there you um, go. But he's ter- he is literally terrified. Literally terrified. Well, I mean, someone in academia, they, they have more to lose than a, you know, a, a 67-year-old coroner that makes 14000 a year. Oh, that's another thing. Going from being a nurse, I went from six figures to 14000 a year. So uh, money is not my objective. <laughs> I can tell you that. I could care less about money. What I've said about money is I can always make more money if I need to. So There you go. Um, anyway, that that's what's going on. There is, but there's a huge link. Enough that he is looking at the, actually, um, whatever's in the injection, and it's it's not a virus called COVID. I can tell you that. Whatever. Marie, we've hit three. the bottom of the hour break. Hold that thought, and we'll be back with more uh, after these messages on the Sane Asylum on RepublicBroadcasting.org and SpeakFreeRadio.com. tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. The secret to aging like fine wine is in the vines. Ciroc grape seeds and skins contain high levels of flavonoids and resveratrol. Fermentation breaks these organic compounds down into smaller molecules, penetrating these therapeutic ingredients deeper into the skin, delivering faster and more effective results. Our handmade fermented skincare products are formulated with all natural ingredients and do not contain any phthalates or parabens. Similar products can cost as much as $180. At Natural Earth Medicine, we source our ingredients from local Arizona vineyards and cold process our oils to ensure that our customers receive the highest quality product in its purest form. Learn more at our website and try our fermented skincare products today. Visit naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture-raised meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. 
Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. No way anyone that stupid. You feed them pornography and KFC, they're that stupid. You know what? I believe totally in your freedoms. I do. You got to do what you have to do. But I recommend take the vaccines. I did it. It's good. Take the vaccines. But... You got, no, that's okay. That's all right. You got your freedoms. But I happen to take the vaccine. If it doesn't work, you'll be the first to know, okay? I'll call up Alabama and say, hey, you know what? But it is working. We have given Pfizer and other companies a great deal of money. Being a pornography and KFC. They're that stupid. Bestowed with the ZOA's highest honor, the Theodore Herzl Medallion. Trump spoke about some old grievances, some new challenges. He did mention once again that he's disappointed that American Jews at large do not support Israel as much as he does. Beat up pornography and KFC. Israel had such power, and rightfully, over Congress, and now it doesn't. Beat up pornography and KFC. Because you'd be in jail. Beat up pornography and KFC. Drain the swamp, and that's what we're doing. Beat up pornography and KFC. All right, welcome back to Spain Asylum number 183. It's October 15, 2023. Honored to have the first of uh, many appearances of uh, nurse and now coroner Marie Lassiter in Missouri. And Marie has pretty much proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that the PCR test is worthless and that um, the, nothing but lies surrounding the scamdemic and the jubanic jujab, as I've been saying for four years, and now she's, as a scientist, has found very clever ways to prove it. Uh, apologies to the uh, the video people on stream, uh, sorry, on uh, uh, Rumble and Odyssey. My virtual mixer voice meter has picked a very inopportune time to crap out right before the show, and I could I could uh, jury rig the audio to make it work for the for Republic Broadcasting, but I, I need to do a full uninstall and reinstall to make it work for the video. So if you if you're look watching, you need to go to republicbroadcast.org and use their player to hear the full interview. But welcome back, and Marie, we cut you off at the bottom of the hour break, so please continue. Uh, okay. Um, 
I can't remember exactly what I was talking about. However, it is funny how these electronics fail at certain times. Uh, Isn't it, though? The, yep. Well, the physician I've been uh, talking with, he'll only communicate on signal, and I don't know how sturdy that is personally. But right. uh, So I had looked down to see, and uh, the signal completely disappeared off my phone. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. Wow. I thought that was kind of unusual, too. Uh, sometimes I feel like they don't like certain people talking to certain people. They sure don't want us to get together in any kind of group. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, it's very easy with the level of sophistication that these hackers have, and they're working for all the various nefarious uh, alphabet agencies as well as in Israel and Tel Aviv with Unit 269, Unit 8200. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not we're not techno nerds. We just we expect it to work, and if it doesn't, it's people who know how to sabotage stuff certainly can. But you know, I was fascinated, and and let's hammer this point home that you you literally have proven that the PCR test is worthless, and that you used a, a, a robust blood test. Could you tell listeners all about that? Well, the the one that I'm using now is uh, really the gold standard. The one I ordered right at the beginning of COVID, um, it was a reliable, very reliable test. But what I'm doing now, and um, I can do a lot of things as a coroner. I, I couldn't do as a nurse. I can mm-hmm. di- I have to diagnose because I have to come up with a cause and manner of death. That's a diagnosis. I can right. order x-rays. I can... I don't do the autopsies. It has to be a forensic pathologist that actually cuts into the person, but I mm-hmm. attend all of them. I assist and I direct mm-hmm. um, what I want done. And of course, I can order lab tests. So, and I'm uh, like many coroners, I'm also a, uh, a toxicologist, and toxicology is where a lot of a lot of the answers lie. So there is a blood test. Um, uh, Quest Labs, which is all over the place, runs it, and it's the SARS-CoV nucleocapsid antibody test. This is a whole blood test, and you have to, you know, send it off with no additives. You get the results back in 48 hours, and the results show you if you have, quote, COVID now or if you've ever been exposed to COVID, if you had it in the past and recovered. It shows all that. And it is a gold standard test. It's $169 per test. Um, And it'll probably put me in the poorhouse because my budget doesn't allow for that. (laughs) But but, um, I don't care because this is more important than than anything. Um, I... um, And I've been been advising people that... if they get swabbed for whatever reason, and it's always positive, I'm I'm like, please, your insurance will cover this. You're still alive. They'll cover it. <laughs> Go to the health department. I've got everything set with the health department. That they know exactly how to request it, send it off, and get the results back. And it's positive proof that none of these swabs are valid at all. And But it's... Actually, my next county over, uh, he's had several. Uh, he had one case that it was a younger woman. The air quality is really bad right here for right here for some reason. Well, she had like 
cold, sniffles, cough, went to the doctor. Of course, they swabbed her for COVID. As one doctor said to me, if there was 30 bucks lying on, on the sidewalk, wouldn't you pick it up? So that's the way they see these COVID tests, by the way. <laughs> and uh, so, of course, she had a false positive COVID test. So, you know, ivermectin was vilified. And, yeah, I take all kinds of animal medicine. I take fish antibiotics. I take horse paste, ivermectin. I mean, every animal med you can think of I take. But um, so they started her on. Pfizermectin, which was Pfizer's synthetic version of ivermectin that's mm-hmm. supposed to block viral replication. Right. Well, she died a couple of days later, and the coroner described like her head was swollen up two times the size and purple. And if you look on the um, the uh, monoeupril insert, it says it causes head swelling. Well, head swelling is actually something called angioedema. Well, your head swells, and all the medical people know what this is, but your head right. swells up so much you can't get any air in your lungs. So right. she was killed by a stupid drug for a disease she didn't have. And young person, I mean, where do you, and it's really, really hard to get stuff out in the media. And there's one local news channel. I'm also in charge of the maximum security prison here. Uh-huh. in my county and you know this big fentanyl death thing going on so the news right, they're, right. they're hungry and they call me and i'm i'm the most transparent person in the world i'll tell anybody anything i don't uh-huh. care i'll tell you and um uh and that includes the families of the offenders they can't get any information from the uh prison so the, the families just call me you have no idea how many uh uh Families of prisoners are my Facebook friends because <laughs> I'm the only <laughs> one that actually treats them like they're human beings. But oh, good for you. Um, so there I am go- going going down a, a rabbit hole. Um, I do want to say we have a very healthy Amish population here in my county, and in the seven years I've been coroner, there's been three deaths. One woman was hit in her buggy, a pregnant woman, by by a woman that I think deliberately tried to hit her because then a little bit later she hit uh, some Amish boys that were in a buggy. Um, so that was one that died. The other one was like a 95-year-old grandma, and the other one was a man that had uh, spinal cancer. So out of maybe 2,500 Amish people, three people die in three years. And and I, I asked one of the elders, I said, do you have... Um, have you had any cases of COVID in your community? And he said, uh, no, we don't watch TV. <laughs> there you go. That's a great line. <laughs> yeah, they, Let me ask, funny. back to the woman who was hit, did law enforcement catch that deranged uh, 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 psycho that would run over Amish and buggies? Did she get uh, punished for it? Well, this is interesting, and you can look it up. Um, I, uh she, no, she did not. And as a matter oh, of yes. fact, she was pregnant and the hospital called off medevac. But you always medevac a pregnant woman that's been injured. So she gets to the hospital and uh, I didn't run into her until um, two days later when she died at home. Her mother went with her to the hospital um, and 
the mother saw the cerebral spinal fluid coming out of her ears and she asked if they would do a CAT scan and the doctor refused. So the nurse asked the, the doctor why she has to have a CAT scan. She's got CSF and the doctor told her, no, she's um, Amish. They don't pay their bills. So oh my home. God. That's, that, I know, that's that despicable. And, and, uh, wow. Um, well, I, obviously I got that doctor fired, but it didn't bring uh, Maddie back. So, Anyway, a couple of days later, um, of course, they don't have phones. They ran to their neighbor to call me. Uh, she she was seizing, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, from the brain injury and sure. died. And, of yeah. course, her unborn infant died as well. Mm-hmm. Well, the prosecutor would not take any action against her. Her family circled the wagons around this 80-year-old woman. Mm. Well... A couple weeks, uh, I'm sorry, right at the very same place, several months later, she, uh, there was a, uh, like, I don't know, four Amish boys. They were going to like a bar and dance and they were in their buggy. Same place. She hit them, she hit them as hard as she could. And uh, so the prosecutor wouldn't do anything. So that's when I get the media involved. So I contacted um, a very credible journalist. And he came down and spent a couple of days and interviewed everybody and wrote a beautiful, beautiful story in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. So if you're interested, you just look at, you know, Amish buggy death, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And I've, I've used that a few times. If I cannot get justice, I just sick the media on them. I don't, well, ha- I don't have time you. to do all that research. Well, you know, in hour two, we're going to open up the phone lines, and, and I'm sure many of the listeners will have questions for you as a, this fascinating uh, career of 40-plus years in nursing, and then seven years ago, you were elected county coroner. But what is also amazing to me as a uh, doctor of oriental medicine practicing for nearly 20 years and healing naturally is that you have three books, and you're an author – the first one came out in 2014 called Nature Has the Cure, and then your second one came out in uh, 2016, Nature Has More Cures, and then your third one is is Nature Has the Cure Volume 3, and what's amazing to me is when you click on the, uh, the uh, read sample, you can scroll down through... Um, uh, and it says the first 100 columns. So it appears to me you were writing columns for some publication and, and yeah. things like Sweet Gum Tree, the Native American Flu Medicine, Tea Tree Oil, Why I Hate Statins, uh, your own herbal apo- apo- apothecary, black walnut superfood, and your bla- the benefits of ginger. This is what I have been preaching for, for decades, and this is great. So how did you come upon, as, a, as an allopathic nurse, learning this kind of excellent natural healing ability and writing books about it? Um, well, I all, first of all, um, I, you know, I know how I, I've seen how dangerous medications are like the statins working in ICU. I've seen people die from taking statins yep. because of the liver failure they go into. I've seen, Many, many Tylenol deaths. Um, It's how that drug ever, ever got approved. I have no clue. Absolutely. (laughs) It's utterly Um, corrupt. But I, um, well, a couple things happened. First of all, I went to the, uh, I went to like the health food store 
uh, to pick up something, and there was a woman in there just begging, begging, begging for tryptophan. And I think uh-huh. I talk about this in book one, and they're like, well, it's, you know, it's been banned because it caused, you know, cancer in somebody in some foreign country. Right. And she's like, well, I have to have it. Well, tryptophan works the same as Prozac. And that was like the same month they came out with Prozac. Oh, of course. So they couldn't really have people just taking tryptophan for their depression. Mm-hmm. Right. They had to switch them to Prozac. I mean, and the woman was begging. She was like, can you just go in the back room and look? Maybe a bottle fell off the shelf or something, uh, right. <laughs> something like that. And I thought, that's a really powerful treatment for depression. And then I had, it was kind of an adverse event. We admitted a patient in the ICU. She had um, basically become unconscious in the grocery store and we're getting her medical history, no meds. But the store she was shopping at um, was named Henry's, and they were known for having, like, uh, alternative, you know, stuff there and, uh, you know, different types of uh, tinctures and herbs. So I asked her husband, I said, did she take any, like, non-pharmaceutical medicines, like natural meds? And he said, yeah, she was taking the red currant. Well, red, red currant will decrease your platelet count and hers got was so depleted she basically had no platelets left oh, so wow. so that's one thing and all of my and i had a syndicated column for it was locally syndicated column on natural mm-hmm. cures for a long time and so i do mention you know not every herb is innocuous <laughs> oh and, absolutely in fact let me interject that uh when we were in school um you know, for as a doctor of medicine, obviously you're learning acupuncture, but the harder part was learning all the Chinese herbology and the, what the individual herbs and and, and what the me, the formulas do. And they they would drill it in our heads again and again. You've got to be incredibly bad, i.e., incredibly talented to kill someone with an acupuncture needle, but you can very effectively <laughs> kill someone with Chinese herbs. So you got to be very careful mm-hmm. and, 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 and you have to, uh, and the same is true of, uh, natural Western herbology that, you know, if you combine things the wrong way or you take too much, like people don't understand red current has that, uh, uh, vacuity, uh, element to the platelet count. And so, yeah, man, that, that, that is a great, great, uh, tip everybody wants to uh, I, I justifiably so i don't want to be on a statin i'll go take uh, red 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 yeast uh uh rice and, and but the problem is is you have to use a small dose and you can't you know but in america everybody thinks the magic pill more is better i mean i've run into so many people non-compliant patients who uh didn't tell me they were on prescriptions or didn't do this and then all of a sudden they have adverse reactions and it's really uh it's challenging, and you you've probably seen a lot of that yourself. Um, yes, and actually, uh, an Amish man around here every uh, actually went to jail. He was uh, using uh, bloodroot and calling it mold be gone. And oh. one person actually did come up with it was malignant melanoma, and of course that caused it to spread. And I'm sure. they had warned him many, many, many times. You can't just put moldy gone on this and sell it. And right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he went to jail. My friend, my herbalist friends are furious at me for saying he deserved it, <laughs> but, but he'd been warned and he didn't care. He just kept, yeah, he, that, he just I kept mean, selling it. 
that's unethical, absolutely, he, especially when he was warned, especially when he probably knew the risk at hand. So um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's really something. Well, we're coming up to the top of the hour in a few minutes. Is there anything that you would you like to promote your books or anything else uh, to discuss as uh, we reach the top of the hour break? And then we'll open up the phone lines for hour two. Um, well, as far as my books, I priced them as cheaply as I could, so they were $10, but Amazon raised their uh, printing prices, and they're at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think they're like $13 a piece, but these are hefty books, um, and you'll find stuff in there you won't find anywhere else. It's not off the internet. It's from me going through the stacks at St. Louis University and and finding, you know, just basic basic research and my own experience mixed in and i i don't think i'm bragging when i refer to them as a modern uh foxfire series yeah no no i agree uh, i'm looking forward to ordering them myself and uh if you're interested you can go to um any search engine or to amazon or to barnes and noble and search uh, marie lassiter l-a-s-a-t-e-r and you'll see all three books that's how i found her books and so buy them. They're, you know, what's coming, and I don't know, I, we, can, we can touch on this in the second hour, but it just feels like these, global, these Satanists, these globalists are trying to destroy the first world nations, and they're getting, getting pretty close. And so uh, you got to be able to take care of yourself, don't you think, Marie? Yes, and the, um, the, problem, the problem to them is God gave us virtually everything we need on this planet. Take yes. care of ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And and the smart people are going in that direction. I know, uh, I mean, I haven't even seen an allopathic practitioner in over a decade. I'm like, you know, when we were living in Wisconsin, at least you could have osteopaths covered under the ripoff health insurance. But here in Virginia, osteopathy is uh, a luxury that we cannot afford. So I just take care of myself and, and it's, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. So there's so much more to it. But people just, you know, this country, the citizens are so dumbed down in so many ways and made dependent, like they're in per per perpetual prepubescence and they need uh, the nanny mommy or uh, the stern uh, daddy with the big missile between his legs to take care of everything. And the reality is, is you need to take care of yourself and your family. Don't look to any uh, globalist influenced uh, charlatans either. Uh, elected or not elected. All right, top of the hour. What a great first hour with uh, the compelling Marie Lassner. We'll take your calls an hour too after these messages. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajit by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. 
Shiroji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiroji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 